0: interesting antibiotic resistance meeting I ever attended. Usually they are very dry academic meetings or very very dry policy meetings. But today it's a celebration of life happening outside. So is death. Death is a celebration. And you will be amazed to know that we are facing a post-antibiotic era and patients are dying because of lack of antibiotics. And today's theme is supposed to be on 5,000 years of scientific achievement of India. And India has one of the most ancient civilizations in the world. And we have made significant achievement, significant contribution to almost every field of science. But India has one of the highest rates of antibiotic resistance in the world. Is that an achievement? Is that an achievement? No. Then why am I standing here? talking to an audience on India's achievement. India, it's true, India has one of the highest antibiotic resistance rates in the world. We are facing a crisis, so as the world is facing a crisis. But we are trying our best to face the challenge. We are at the heart of the antibiotic resistance crisis and we are also the centre of initiatives to tackle the challenge of global antibiotic resistance crisis. It's not just in India the AMR problem we call it antimicrobial resistance problem or antibiotic resistance problem. It's, it's a global problem. No country or continent could escape from the seriousness of antibiotic resistance crisis. This is could be a, could be a photograph in 1901. If you get a serious infection by any deadly bacteria, you die because you don't have antibiotics. So, what's happening in 2017? You die. If you get a very serious infection, you may die because it could be because of a bacteria. Well, not even one antibiotic could be working. It's called as pan drug resistant. Look at this report. It's called RRR, means the drug is not working. The drug is not working and this bacteria, everything is RRR. We can test against any antibiotics available in the world, anywhere in the world, new or old, it will be RRR. We call it as the Pan Drug Resistant Bacteria. And what you do if you get an infection because of Pan Drug Resistant Bacteria? What will happen? You die. You die and this is a scenario that we are facing not just in india but across the world is emerging problem all across the world it's its the magnitude is more in south asia or in mediterranean countries but it's spreading across the world the pan drug resistant bacteria are spreading across the world resulting in mortality increased mortality increased death rates of patients it's a global crisis 1928, Alexander Fleming discovered pencil. He was working at St. Mary's Hospital London. It was an accidental discovery. He was working with bacterial culture plate. One day he noticed a fungal spore has fallen on his culture plate, and he noticed something like a clearing around that fungal growth. The bacteria was not growing against that fungus growth. And he thought maybe something, something from the fungus is preventing the bacterial growth. And that's, that's how the penicillin was discovered. It was a miracle, it was an accidental discovery. But that discovery changed the destiny, changed the history of mankind. Literally, that changed the history of mankind. More and more antibiotics were introduced, but we, mankind, whether doctors or patients, we misuse antibiotics, we overuse antibiotics, we underuse antibiotics, and now we are facing, literally we are facing, a pan-drug resistant, bacterial era, otherwise called as post-antibiotic era. It's exactly like pre-Alexander Fleming era without antibiotic, and we are facing in 2017, we are facing exactly the same scenario. And this is what antibiotics did to the humanity. Look at the curve. After introduction of antibiotics into the medical into the medical field, the mortality dropped significantly. And after the reduction in mortality, we can see almost a straight line. And that's because of the contribution of everything else in modern medicine. Everything else in modern medicine have made only very minor changes in the, in, the, in the death rates of patients. It's mainly because of antibiotics and simultaneously because of better sanitation across the world. It's antibiotics and better sanitation has revolutionized the modern medicine. And we are losing the miracle of antibiotics. Is there anybody in the audience who who is not familiar with MRSA? Yeah, yeah MRSA, it's, it's, we, we call the MRSA superbug or the gram positive superbug. The purple color, the purple color, we call gram And MRSA is a typical example of a, a gram positive superbug. It's, it's seen across the world, but predominantly a problem, we call it a problem of the West. Compared to the gram negative, the pink bacteria, the gram negative bacteria, that's a real superbug spreading across the world. That's the bacteria. Without antibiotics, MRSA, I don't consider MRSA a superbug. People say, MRSA, if you read any of the newspapers, tabloids, they say MRSA killing patients. To me, MRSA is not a superbug. I have at least five antibiotics to treat MRSA. At least five. But many of these pin gram, negative bacteria, I don't have a single antibiotic to treat this infection. That's a big difference between an MRSA or a gram-negative. That gram-negative bacteria, these bacteria are now spreading across the world, killing patients. Killing patients. Antibiotic resistance is one of the most serious public health issues of our time. World Health Organization reported in 2014. Antibiotic resistance threatens to plunge the world back to the dark ages of medicine. Former British Prime Minister. Politicians are talking about antibiotic resistance. Nowadays, you attend any antibiotic resistance meeting, you won't see doctors. You will see policy makers, you will see diplomats, you will see economists, you won't see doctors. It's not a medical problem anymore. It's a political problem, it's a socio-political problem that cannot be solved by scientific community without the help of political community. It's a real global socio-political crisis. As per Jim O'Neill's report, with Jim O'Neill, the British government commissioned Lord Jim O'Neill to, to, to prepare a report on the, on the seriousness of antimicrobial resistance crisis. It's, it's a wonderful report on the problem and the solution. As for Jim O'Neill's report, 10 million people may die every year, additional death. 10 million additional deaths can happen every year till 2050. Every year. 10 million people can die because of antimicrobial resistance crisis. And why is this happening? Why is suddenly there is a crisis, a crisis without antibiotics? The bacteria has been becoming more and more resistant for years, for decades they have been becoming resistant. But the significant change is the number of new antibiotics licensed have been dropping. The same rate, there has been a rapid increase in the rate of the antibiotic resistant bacteria similarly there have been a drop in the license of new antibiotics because pharma industry is not investing in antibiotics this is a, this is a, this is a value out of 40 billion dollars invested between 2003 and 2013 only 1.8 billion were invested for antibiotic development compared to 38 billion invested for research for other drugs and why is that? Why is that? Why pharma companies are not interested in developing antibiotics? It's not really profitable. (coughs) It's not really profitable. You you, you have to spend at least 1.5 billion dollars for today's way to develop a new antibiotic. And you need at least five to ten years to introduce some antibiotic into the market. And you introduce a new antibiotic, what's going to happen? It's going to be resistant in two or three years' time. And I is one group of drugs. Immediately after introduction, doctors say, don't use it, don't overuse it, don't overuse it. If you are the CEO of any company, will you invest in developing anything? Immediately after introduction, people say, don't use it. Will you invest in development of a new car? Immediately after launching the car, People say, experts say, don't use that car, don't use that car. Will you invest in that? particular product? No. That's what is going to happen with antibiotics. Antibiotics are the only products people say don't use when a new product is launched. You can invest in cholesterol drugs. They work forever. You can invest in cardiac drugs. They work forever. You invest 1.5 billion dollars, you can, you can make plenty of profit. Billions and billions of profit. Antibiotics are not really profitable and pharma companies stop investing in antibiotics. That's the real reason behind the current pan-drug resistant crisis. And of course, doctors have been misusing antibiotics. This is a data from America alone. Just for treating upper respiratory infections, out of 40 million prescriptions a year, 40 million prescriptions just for running nose. Of that. 27 million were unnecessary, just virus infection or allergy and doctors are forced to prescribe antibiotics. So more than two-thirds of the prescriptions are unnecessary in a, in a country like America. So think of other countries, think of countries like India or other re-emerging economies where the antibiotic misuse, I won't say it's misuse or we call irrational usage of antibiotics will be more rampant. Because when a patient is coming to my clinic, it's not always possible for me to differentiate is a bacterial infection which needs antibiotic, or a virus infection, or allergy which doesn't require antibiotics. It's not always easy. So we doctors follow the safer side, we prescribe an antibiotic. That's what is happening in all countries. Even in UK, as per the data, 9 out of 10 general practitioners are Forced by patients, there's a patient pressure on doctors. Nine out of ten doctors are forced to prescribe an antibiotic. So the, we call the patient's pressure on doctors. And doctors write antibiotic, just to be on on safer side. Then in hospitals, hospitals, the resistant bacteria spread. From one patient to another patient, from the hands of doctors, from the hands of nurses, and other healthcare workers. We call it as hospital acquired infection. It's one of the very, very common causes of hospi- the, the spread of infections. 7 to 10 percentage of the hospitalized patients get hospital acquired infections. 7 percentage in the developed world, and 10 to 15 percentage in the developing world. One in three patients in intensive care units develop drug-resistant infections that are hospital-acquired. Hand hygiene. Do you all believe that doctors and nurses clean their hand before touching you? We claim that. I claim that my hand hygiene compliance is 100%. Many hospitals in the developed world or developing world, if you look at their data about the document, 100% or 80% or 90% compliance to hand hygiene rate. It's wrong. As per a recent big study, it's 40%. 60% of the time doctors, nurses or other staff won't clean their hand before touching you. It's 40% whichever country you're working. I'm talking about the data from the developed world. In the developing world it can be even less than that. So that's, that's the level of hand hygiene compliance, the best rate you can expect and bacteria spread in the hospitals. Okay, in the world, or let's, let's take the American data, buy a data from the States. If you produce, if you produce 1,000 tons of antibiotics, do you know what that antibiotic is used for? Not used for humans. 70% of the antibiotics manufactured by pharmaceutical companies in America are used in veterinary practice, not for humans. And you know why antibiotics are used in veterinary practice? Can anybody tell me? Is it for treating infections? Is it for treating infections? No. Is it for preventing infections? No. Antibiotics are fed. The animals are fed with antibiotics, not for treating infections, not for preventing infections. And if you feed animals with antibiotic, they grow fat and fast. They grow fat and fast. And tons of antibiotics, tens of, thousands of, tons of antibiotics are used to feed Animals, so that they grow fat and fast. And these are the antibiotics we use in human world. And animals, healthy animals, are fed with these antibiotics. And antibiotic resistant bacteria develop in animals and spread to the human world. 70% of the antibiotics usage in America, 60% in Europe are used for. As we call growth promoter. And what you say as growth promoter in veterinary practice? In India, we don't have organized cattle farming. We don't have organized pig farming or cattle farming. But we have organized poultry farming. Can anybody guess the number of chickens eaten by Indians every year? 1.3 billion Indians. How many... What will be the number of chickens we eat? 10 billion. Oh, no. We <laughs> yeah, we, about that, we eat. Okay, 800 crores, and crores means 8,000 million. 8,000 million, that is 8 billion, isn't it? 8,000 million is 8 billion. We eat 8 you're right, 8 billion chickens <laughs> a year. I don't know that, you know? I I know, 8 billion, that's a good number. 8 billion chickens a year. And we use, we use a lot of antibiotics in poultry farming, creating deadly resistant bacteria in the veterinary. Recently I did a study, I'm, I'm still collecting data from uh, chicken, fish, vegeta- vegetables vegetables from across the country and what I found was, these chicken vegetables have got deadly colistin resistant bacteria. Colistin is a last resort antibiotic and bacteria resistant to colistin are the chicken, fish, meat, vegetable. It's not just an Indian scenario. A recent study from Switzerland found that 25% of the chicken samples in the supermarket have colistin-resistant bacteria. similar study from Belgium, one-third of the chicken samples have colistin-resistant bacteria. But it's okay because they don't have to use colistin in Switzerland. All the other antibiotics are working. In India, it's, it's the other way. Colistin is the only antibody working in many serious infections. And for us, colistin is holy water. Literally holy water. Many of my patients are surviving because of colistin alone. And if colistin-resistant bacteria are there in the chicken we eat, fish we eat, and vegetable we eat, and patients are coming to the hospital with colistin-resistant bacteria in their intestine, and then it enters the bloodstream and causes blood poisoning because of colistin-resistant bacteria, and I can't use even colistin to treat this infection. That's a scenario that's happening in, across the world. Extensive usage of antibiotic in the veterinary practice must be stopped on an urgent basis to prevent this crisis. So nowadays, I, 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 I used to talk around or oh, doctors should use antibiotics rationally. Now what's more important is the farmers. Farmers should stop using antibiotics, especially precious antibiotics like colistin in acid growth promoter. Sanitation issue. One of the main reasons for the spread of antibiotic resistance in developing world is the sanitation issue. We do agree that we have a huge sanitation problem in India and other South Asian countries. And that's one of the main reasons of high antibiotic resistance rate. Every three seconds, one patient dies due to antibiotic resistance across the world. Every three seconds. Every three seconds one person dies. And why politicians are interested? Is it because patients are dying? Do you think politicians will be concerned just because a few patients are dying? No, this is the reason. Antibiotic resistance crisis will cost global economy 100 trillion trillion, I don't know what that means, 100 (laughs) trillion dollars. And politicians know, Economists know. That's why Lord Jim O'Neill was commissioned to write a report, not, none of us and the body of Assistance Experts, and Lord Jim is a former Treasury Secretary, he's an economist. And he was commissioned, and rightly commissioned. Because politicians are more interested in the global challenge. What's going to cost the world? And that's cost the world 100 trillion dollars. That's why the World Health Organization is discussing about the problem. Yeah, we know, we are doctors. The United Nations discussed about the problem. I'll talk about later, how, how we took the issue to United Nations and UN assembly discussed about the problem and passed a resolution on antimicrobial resistance rate is the issue. Now, this is what happened. This is Jalai Jeremy Farrar, the director of Wellcome Trust statement. Despite repeated warnings, the international response has been feeble, the World Health Organization has missed opportunities to provide leadership and very little progress has been made. The statement he made two or three years ago and he's completely, he's perfectly right. The world leadership failed, including World Health Organization, failed to take a leadership to tackle the crisis. They woke up late. The world woke up very, very late to challenge the issue. That's, 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 a, that's a huge failure on the part of the global leadership. This is a statement by World Health Organization itself. International and national actions to address AMR have shown that work can be done, often with good results. But these efforts have usually been limited in scope and lacking real coordination, as per World Health Organization report. We agree that we failed. It's, it's a serious error on the part of everybody. But. There were very good initiatives, very good isolated national initiative. UK have got a wonderful system, US have got a good, acceptably good system. Countries like Sweden have done a very good job and there are very good many national initiatives. But they are isolated initiatives lacking in global coordination. You know what's the population of Sweden? 10 million. Population of UK? 65 million. India, 1,300 million and that makes a huge difference. I come to that point, why it makes a huge difference in antimicrobial resistance crisis. 1.3 billion, 1,300 crores people in India, you know how many hospitals in India? 75,000 hospitals in India, 75,000 hospitals in India, how many doctors? 1 million. How many pharmacies? 1 million. 1 million 75,000 hospitals, 1.3 billion people, 1 million doctors, almost a million pharmacies. And socio-economic disparity. We have hospitals for very rich people. 70% of the Indian healthcare system are taken care of by the private system. Only 30% is taken care of by the government system. We have very, very rich people in India and very, very poor people in India. India is a rich country. What we lack is lack of distribution of wealth. That's a big difference between United Kingdom countries like UK and countries like India. We have extremes of economic scenarios, and that is that's one of the main reasons creating high antibiotic resistance rate in the country. The sanitation issues in the country is, is 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 triggering spread of bacteria in the community, in the community, not just in hospitals. I always compare the antibody resistance rate in India with that of Italy or Israel. But Israel did a wonderful job. They had a serious resistance problem in hospitals, the same gram negative resistance crisis. But that's one country who could control that resistance rate to, to a very good lower level. You know how they did that? They followed very strict pro- protocols and they could control the resistance. But I, I was asking my friends in Israel, can you replicate the same thing in India? Well, no. We can do it in Israel because we don't have the resistance problem in the community. You have got a huge antibody resistance problem in the community. So while we do it in our country, you can't replicate in India. You are, in your country, bacteria are spreading in the community not just in hospital, and it's extremely difficult to control the antibiotic resistance problem in the community. It's it's a huge challenge. It's not in the hands of the medical community, it's in the hand of the political system. It's not just in the hand of Indian political system, it's in the hand of the global political system because it's a global crisis. No country can tackle the antibiotic resistance crisis alone. It's a global crisis that needs global coordination. And India, yes, I do agree that India was very late in opening the eyes to understand the crisis because we did not really understand the seriousness of the problem. Our medical community did not understand the seriousness of the problem. It was our fault in not convincing our political leadership. Why countries like UK or countries like America or Sweden could have good initiative? Because the medical community could could convince their political leadership well in advance to take initiatives and not at a very late stage like many countries, not just India, many countries like India. And that's not the fault of few countries, that's the fault of the global leadership to control the antimicrobial resistant rate. We had a serious attitude problem, and that's because we were not aware, or at least our leadership were not aware of the challenge because we could not... People like me, it's the fault of people like me, We, we did not take the pain of convincing and talking to the politicians and convincing them on the seriousness. We had a serious attitude problem, and we need to create that attitude change. That's why we, we created the Chennai Declaration by Medical Society. This, this is a wonderful statement. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference, Winston Churchill. And that's a wonderful statement. We realize the importance of the statement when it comes to the antimicrobial resistance problem in India. We had a serious attitude problem and we had to correct that. We have to convince ourselves, and we have to convince our medical community, we have to convince our political leadership on the importance of antimicrobial resistance rate. Right? We call in all the medical societies in the country, we call in all the, all the other stakeholders, government stakeholders, and we prepared something called as Chennai Declaration. It's a position statement by medical societies in India. And we realize something. We can't be very strict in India. We can't follow very strict policies one third of the population don't have proper access to medical care we have a serious problem of excess usage of antibiotics and serious problem of access to antibiotics a big percentage of the population have lack of access under usage of antibiotics while a percentage of the population overuse antibiotics we can't control we can't say you have to reduce antibiotic usage in india that's wrong we can't say we have to reduce the usage of antibiotic. We have to rationalise the usage of antibiotic in the country. When the when last year, when the UN discussions, UN resolution discussions were going, there was there was one criteria to what, to what extent countries should reduce antibiotic usage. And we 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 discussed that, that is we we informed them that you can't, you can't use that particular statement. Because there is a huge access problem in developing countries. What we need is rational and about usage. That's why we say China declaration is based on the realistic scenario of developing countries like India. It's entirely different from the developed world. We need to have our own solution based on our own cultural practices. Cultural practices are very important. We need to understand our own scenario and, and, and create solutions based on our cultural and social scenarios. And we prepared something called a China Declaration five-year plan to implement, help to help implement our country's national antibiotic policy. We have a national policy since 2011, and. After publication of the Chennai Declaration, Indian Health Ministry, the senior most officials, held a meeting to, to discuss ways of implementing Chennai Declaration recommendation to help the implementation of India's national policy. We took the issue to the Indian Parliament, we discussed the issue in the Indian Parliament, and that was the same time when the AMR scenario was being discussed across the world at the political levels in many countries. And we, we created something, called we brought out a modified rule to control the over-the-counter sale of antibiotics without prescription. That's a, that's a huge issue. Patients go to pharmacy and buy antibiotics over-the-counter without doctor's prescription. And that's one of the main drivers of antibiotic resistance problem. We brought out this rule in 2013, it's implemented in some part of the country, still not implemented across the country for various reasons. Be the change that you wish to see in the world, Mahatma Gandhi. It's a a very, very important statement. You can't just copy what people are doing in other countries. If you want to change the scenario in your country, you have to create your own solution because your situations are different. 2013, the UK Antibiotics Action Team prepared a brief history of antibiotics, the key events in the history of antibiotics, and we are proud to say that they could introduce the Chennai Declaration from India as one of the key events in in the the world of antibiotics, of the attacking resistance world of antibiotics. But what did Chennai Declaration do in India? Have India implemented antibiotic policy yet? No. So what did Chennai Declaration do? Why do I speak about Chennai Declaration? Is the resistance scenario in India changed by one percentage? No. But what did he do? He created an attitude change. We accepted that, and the resistance is a serious problem. We accepted that, we need to address the issue. In a country like India, it's not like UK, it's not like Sweden, it's not like Switzerland. India is a huge country. With you know how many states in India? 29 states and 7 union territories. Overall, you can say 36 states. Ruled by different parties. It's not just controlled by people in Delhi. Indian political system is very complicated, very complicated, and will help is the responsibility predominantly of the state and not the centre. Centre coordinates activity. States have to implement it. So one of the policies we make in Delhi will not be effective unless individual states implement those policies. Individual states have to implement We have to convince individual states ruled by various political parties. With social, different socio cultural scenarios, and that's the challenge we face in India. The work so far we did in India. If we do it in Sweden, we could have changed the scenario ten times over. And making the statement that we have over the last few years, we have spent so much of effort, but nothing has happened. It's because of the complexity of the Indian scenario, Indian socio-political-cultural scenario. There is no immediate solution for the problem in India because we don't know how really to tackle. Because We have to change the overall scenario. It's, it's, not, it's not a simple thing because anti resistance is not dealt by doctors. It's changed, it can be dealt only by the whole socio-political system. We brought out the National Antibiotic Gate 1, and so many things happened in India after that and, and so many things happened across the world. The World Economic Forum discussed about the antibiotic resistance, g 8 heads of state discussed about the antibiotic problem, G20 discussed about the antibiotic problem, it's nice to know that Politicians who don't know what bacteria are, who don't know what antibiotics are, are sitting and discussing about the seriousness of the political problem and there are big economists trying to convince them about the seriousness of the problem. It's a big development. It's a big development. The issue was, the issue was taken up to, to UN because it's such, a, such an important issue. Many non-government organizations like UK Antibiotic Action and the WAG Group, the Chennai Declaration, the REACT, Apoor from America, these are all non-government organizations working on all issues. And we could say that all these non-government organizations made a significant contribution to the antibiotic, tackling antibiotic resistance crisis. Longitude price. Is there anybody who haven't heard of longitude price? Oh, all right, fine. It's, a, it's 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 a good news. It's not just the bad news of antibiotic resistance crisis. Good news. You can win ten million pounds, ten million sterling pounds, by doing something on antibiotic resistance crisis. But you have to you have to invent. You have to develop a new diagnostic tool that can help the doctors detect the presence of a bacterial infection on bedside. But it's, till we get a culture result after 45 days. But if you can develop a rapid diagnostic test that's good, that's affordable, can be used across the world and can help the doctors to detect is a bacterial infection or a viral infection, or if it's a bacterial infection, what is the antibody that can be used and we will get a result in half an hour, you can win longitude prize. And so far, and even below 2014, 2014, till 2017, no team has won longitude prize. So it's open, the 10 million pounds are still open. You can can try. And what is longitude prize? This is longitude prize 2014. The original longitude prize was announced 300 years ago, in 1714, and that was for a methodology, an invention that can help to measure the longitude of ships at sea. It's, it's very important to measure the exact position of ships at sea by measuring the longitude. And the longitude price was won by a person called as, not a scientist, a talksman called as John Harrison. He won the longitude prize. But it's quite interesting story. You should read the story. The, the chairman of the jury Committee was the Royal Astronomer. And Royal Astronomer tried his best not to give the prize to John Harrison because here on, he himself was a competitor. And this time, the chair, the chair of the Longitude Committee is Royal Astronomer, Lord Martin Rees, but thank God he doesn't have a conflict of interest because this time the competition is on antibiotics and not on longitude or latitude. Yes, Jane tsai Yeah, she's a UK Chief's Medical Advisor. Why I'm showing her picture? She did a remarkable job in motivating World Health Organization to start the global, create the global action plan. Without Dame Sally Davis, I can openly say that the global action plan, that's today's world global action plan, wouldn't have happened. She was a chair of the committee and she used 194 countries signed to the global action plan. And without Dame Sally Davis' diplomatic effort or her diplomatic friends' effort, countries wouldn't have signed the Global Action Plan. India signed the Global Action Plan, most of the countries signed the World Health Organization Global Action Plan. That's a remarkable diplomatic achievement to solve and an effort to solve a global crisis. In 2016, the United Nations discussed about, the heads of state discussed about the anti resistance crisis. This is the third time UN was discussing and medical problem. They discussed about HIV before. They discussed about Ebola and non-communicable diseases, and then they discussed about antibiotic resistance crisis because it's a, such a huge political problem across the world. As I mentioned earlier, if India has to implement an antibiotic policy, individual states have to implement the policy. We are in the process of convincing individual states to implement antibiotic policy, and Kerala is the first state to implement antibiotic policy. They are the first state because we could convince the political system in the state that antibiotic resistance is a serious problem and we need to take political efforts to tackle the scenario. And Kerala is going to be the prototype in India and other states will follow the lead. Do you know which is the most important tackling antibiotic resistance effort in India? Is it China declaration? No, it's not. Can anybody tell me the most important tackling antibody resistant initiative in India? Sanitation. Sanitation. Sachbharadabhiyan. I always use this statement. Sachbharadabhiyan, the Prime Minister's ambitious program of Clean India campaign is the most important tackling antibody resistant. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I sincerely believe that because a few months ago when we prepared India's action plan, we discuss about this particular component in detail, and this is one of the most important components of India's action plan. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Indian, Indian, Prime Minister, Indian Prime Minister came onto TV and made a statement of rational antibody usage, so we could convince our Prime Minister. We had made some sig- significant political achievement. We initiated something called as a, a Red Line campaign, to rationalize antibiotic usage. It's not just a problem in India. It's not a problem in South Asia. It's, It's a real global problem. If we tackle it together, we can win. Otherwise, we may have to use honey. We may have to use yogurt instead of antibiotics. Thank you.